I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Gamer Podcast. I'm Beck Hill. I'm Jim Smallman. And on this episode... I think that game's a particularly good example of something that a lot of the time I just wouldn't want to play. So it says here, if there is more than one red wire... <laughs> I didn't like that. Cut the last red wire. It was eating my face. I'm probably going to have to switch this off now for fear of me throwing my controller through the screen. When a game does that, it just makes you all the more connected with it. So there's loads coming up on the podcast. Let's play. So it's the Gamer Podcast. We're talking about games and technology and all kinds of stuff. Hey, lady in the studio with the hair. Hello. Who are you? Hi, I'm Beck Hill. I'm a comedian. I'm Australian. And uh, I like video games. My favourite video game is Starship Titanic, which was a PC point-and-click game written by Douglas Adams. Who are you? I'm Jim Smallman. I am a heavily tattooed man. Most of my tattoos signify video games. Um, I love video games dearly. I think my favourite game of all time is probably Street Fighter 2, based on how many tattoos I've got. Yeah. that signify it. It's a solid game. It is a solid game. Um, uh, my favourite current game is The Division, which I'm obsessed with. Yes. Um, hey, how can people get in touch, Beck? Uh, I hope people get in touch with us uh, via the Twitters. We are at Gamer Podcast UK. The Gamer Podcast News. The biggest stories in gaming. Coming up, we'll be talking about some of the biggest news in the gaming world. Looking in-depth into virtual reality, VR, it's very exciting. And we will be playing a game that is celebrating a very special birthday this year. For this episode, we have a special guest with us. We've got Alicia Judd! Um, thank you very much for joining us. No worries. Um, so please introduce yourself. I'm the editor of AppSpy, which is this YouTube channel that focuses mostly on mobile games. We're like part of Pocket Gamer, uh, which is this massive, sprawling mobile gaming network. The first story is something that I'm probably going to bang on quite a lot about. Do it. Um, it concerns The Division. Huge release. Why do you think people have been so ridiculously excited by it? Open world games in general kind of just get people clenching their fists in glee. It's <laughs> anything where... And, and it had a massive marketing campaign around it mm-hmm. and it's also been delayed for such a long time. And it's, that, it's the forbidden fruit thing as well, isn't it? That when there's a game coming out that you've been expecting, but then they've been kind of taking away from you. Mm. You want it even more. And so when yeah. it finally released, there's this massive focus of anticipation about it. And it's a really intriguing concept as well, this idea of a massive virus being released. Like, we love that in pop culture. Look at Resident Evil. Like, it just, I bet when they were coming up with it, all the guys at Ubisoft sat in a room and they had a dartboard and they were like, right, we'll just put like virus and like, zombies in like, like, New York. And they just threw darts and saw what stuck and they were like, yes, all those things we will put in our game. And everyone went mental. It does feel realistic. And, and realism in games is, is quite a difficult thing to achieve because most people play games for escapism. Well, if, if they're anything like me, you're like, oh, I like exploring, but I hate leaving my flat. Yay! <laughs> but the really, I mean, the really cool thing about this game is that there's that level of exploring but 
there's also a massive focus on you create the story. Like you, you were saying that having played the game, there's loads of kind of fragments of storylines and things that you pick up mm. and kind of like you can piece together this world and the characters that live in it and thing. And I, I just think it's one of those games that when, when a game does that, it just makes you all the more connected with it. And it's, I'm going to throw down a hashtag immersion bomb there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, the launch of the game's not been without issues though, has it? Because it's, because it's online, yeah. it means that sometimes you, you have because you have to be online to play it. It means that sometimes it's going to be a bit of a pain for certain gamers. Yeah, massively. If you lose connection halfway through a single player campaign, then you're yeah, that sucks massively. There's something you know we've we've seen it with games like Destiny and things that have kind of been the torchbearers of this kind of experience. In terms of being like a YouTube channel and stuff, you can do so much more with online games because you have this kind of world where the players are creating the experience and it's the experience when you come across another person completing the game rather than say something like Uncharted where it's just a game that you run through and the game happens to you. So we've got these huge online communities developing around a game like this which snowballs it into a much greater phenomenon than it would be if it was just a normal offline mm. single player game. But the swing of the yeah. other side to it is that, yes, when you are halfway through a really difficult mission and your Wi-Fi cuts out, you will be screaming in frustration. With huge releases like this, I can only presume that all of a sudden Twitch is going to be full of people yeah, streaming, playing, playing a big release like this. Yeah. And do you find that, that all of a sudden other games are getting left behind for a little while because something like this is so huge and taking up so much of, uh, of people's time? Obviously, there's a huge influx of gamers who are suddenly interested in this and they want to, they want to see what kind of experience you're having and the story that you're creating. You'll have people kind of come in and go, oh, I never found that or oh, I never did this or oh, I did that mission completely differently. The question is whether they're abandoning other games to do it. I know that initially when this was announced, I believe they, they were, like they do with a lot of games, they're often saying, I know they did this with GTA V, uh, oh, we'll try and make it so you have got you can have functionality on your phone or on your tablet and you can use that to control the game. I mean, it, that seems to be something that a lot of people have promised but doesn't necessarily happen. I actually think it's quite a good idea because the you know everyone has a mobile device and they're getting so powerful like if you look at the technology that's built into a current iPhone 6 like it's the same technology in a last gen console so we're getting these really powerful games on mobile that are console quality why not use a mobile as an extension of mm. your console experience we saw it with Fallout 4 and they they, they created like a pit boy so yeah. you could like strap your phone to your kind totally of arm and which was, was just like, I mean it's a gimmick don't get me wrong and we're very much in the early stage where it is a little bit gimmicky mm. but I think done right, there could be this really, and especially, you know, we're, we're moving into this era where we've got virtual reality. We're, rather than being very much separate from the games that we play on the screen, the games are coming out the screen and we're interacting them in a much more physical way. Mm. And I think using kind of your mobile as a kind of more tactile, physical touchscreen kind of interface mm. to move into the console, I think that's really interesting. The Gamer Podcast News. So our second story is there's been a lot of talk about VR in the news recently, um, especially with PlayStation announcing the uh, PlayStation headset and obviously Samsung Gear. VR is becoming more and more popular. We're getting this question a lot lately saying, do you think that VR is just a kind of fad? Is it going to take off? And I think that the Samsung Gear VR is one of the reasons why it really could take off. It very much hits the lower price point in the market. It's going to be massively more universal. Everyone has a smartphone and the Samsung Gear VR works by essentially just 
putting your yeah, Samsung phone in front of your yeah, eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whereas not everyone has, say, the money to have a massive next gen console, so they might not have a PlayStation VR on top. Like it's, I think it's the most universal VR headset. How's the nausea on it? It very much depends on the developer. So it's actually it's not necessarily a fault of the headset; it's a fault of the developer who's made the game. So because the nausea is created when something happens in the game that you're not feeling in real life and there's a disconnect between your bodily sensation and what your eyes are seeing so Mm. for instance if you lift your hand in the real world and you don't see a hand lift in the game that creates a kind of nausea sensation and stuff Ah, so it's your body kind of going what the hell um i mean i've not had it too much actually because the games i've played have been quite good but I mean, the the Samsung kind of Gear VR is it's been created with Oculus, kind of like Oculus and Samsung will work together on this, and so the technology is really strong. Like the actual hardware is brilliant. As it stands at the minute, I mean, the Sony VR headset has been delayed and delayed, and it's been delayed again. I know they've announced the price on it now, but it's still not coming out until later in the year, which is it was meant to be out now, and it's still not. Um, So. Who do you think are going to be the winners and losers? Oh, that's such a good question. And if I knew that, if I knew that, I'd be investing all my money <laughs> yeah. into their stocks. Based on your based on your gut feeling, based and your, on my and gut your, feeling and your wonderful knowledge, what would you say? So I would say I'd put my money behind PlayStation VR at the moment mm. because they are attached to the clout of the PlayStation console, which is you know. I mean, between PlayStation and Xbox, controversially, I would say that PlayStation is the biggest one at the moment. Oh, yeah, I think it, um, based on sales figures, it, based it on is. sales figures, yeah, it is. And the like, having it has head tracking, which obviously the Samsung Gear VR doesn't. And you've got kind of the the Move controllers that are that are working. Out. If they can come up with something similar to the Half Moon controllers that the Oculus have, that would be even better because the Half Moon controllers are a lot more ergonomic and kind of like tactile. And you really feel like you've got hands in this virtual reality world. I think the Samsung Gear VR will be a close second while it's got this kind of cinematic VR thing going on if they can get to the stage where you can walk around in like with head tracking then I think maybe Samsung Gear VR might pip PlayStation to the post the gamer podcast news two UK gaming studios have closed uh, Sony have announced the closure of Evolution Studios which is up near me in Cheshire uh, made Drive Club and Microsoft have closed another British developer Lionhead Studios who were developing Fable Legends uh, which has been going on forever and ever and ever and ever as a game studio now it's not enough for you to rely on existing IP like you know Drive Club and Fable and Black and White were all really good games in their day but the cycle of innovation was not continued by the studio they just kind of made more iterations on the same franchise which is all very well and good but what kind of I think happened with these studios is they relied too much much on formulas that were kind of stagnating and at the moment the games industry has grown so beautifully and so vibrantly you need to be competing it's it's, it's technology industry you need to be thinking what's the next big step and and there's a lot of games that now come from from eastern europe and obviously a lot of games made in america a lot of games made in japan um it's not the thing that we're losing out and 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 the work is necessarily going to other studios in other countries it's just Presumably just people being more careful and making sure that the studios are working right for the money that's invested in them. When you look at the big kind of centres of gaming around the world, Britain is still one of the biggest centres and across the world every studio is facing the same issue because we, we are living in an era where gaming is mostly online, gaming is mostly global, kind of like the barriers of country versus country are kind of falling down and we've kind of got this mass quite open industry really if you go into any game studio there will be talent from all over the world if you go into a british one there will be people from europe there'll be people from america if you go into 
I, I visited a studio in Gothenburg in Sweden and they had people from Britain there. They had people from Australia. They had people who were Swedish. That's it for this episode's news. Thank you very much for joining us, Alicia. No worries. And please tell us where everyone can find you. Oh, have you yeah. got any stuff that you want to want to pimp? Well, if you guys are interested in mobile gaming, you can check out App Spy on YouTube, which we just we cover reviews, features, kind of in-depth previews of games that are coming out. We also go live on Twitch every day from 5 p.m. So yeah, App Spy. The Gamer Podcast. Well, Alicia is a delight. She is. I, 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 de- I think we should have her on again sometime. I think she was awesome. Uh, and I think we've got time for two more very quick news articles. Uh, indeed, we have. Uh, first of all, students of Falmouth University have developed an awesome new game. Well, it's called Cooking with Satan, and it's a 3D physics-based puzzle game, and we made it over the course of 40 hours for a game jam. And the whole theme comes from... Uh, ritual, which was the theme chosen by the the game jam creators, we had to make something around that theme. And you know, we gave it a thought, and we're thinking, what kind of stuff do we want to go for? And then we just went, you know, let's just go for it. Make something fun. Make something really silly. Don't take ourselves too seriously. And we came up with this game where you go around the house, picking up and throwing around these items to then sacrifice them to Satan to get to get just cupcakes, basically. And people just you know just enjoy just destroying the room. There's just something so satisfying about wrecking the place really after we put it up on a website called itch.io which is uh, a website made for indie devs to, to show their work and uh, sometimes to sell it uh, it actually got some traction and some people picked it up there was an article on alphabetic gamer about it and um, some youtubes picked it up and it got some traction it's uh, to this day it's been viewed by just over half a million people and we we had a meeting and we, we saw some of the youtube videos which were really good and we were like you know what let's let's make it into a full title and that's currently what's happening. We've expanded our team to a six-man team, and we're going to be working on it now until until it's released. Uh, it probably sounds cliche, but there there wouldn't be a game without Falmouth. It was hosted in our in, our, in the game studio at the Games Academy, and that was the that was the two-day event. And after the release, we've we've had some support, and we've we've started up our, our games company. It's called Crucible Games, uh, and we're incorporated with the Academy of Innovation and Research at the university. I think that concept sounds good. I yeah, play that game definitely. Check out itch.io, search Cooking with Satan for more information. We'll post a link on Twitter as well. Did you know that there is a new video game panel show that's coming out? I did not. Tell me more. It is starring Dara O'Brien. So already awesome. It is already pretty sweet. Yeah, and it's based on a live show called Go 8-Bit, uh, which has happened around London and up in Edinburgh and that sort of thing. It's created by the double act McNeil and Pamphlin. Oh. And uh, wonderful Steve McNeil was one of the creators, and he is a fascinating chap. Sketch comedy everyone wanted and then no one wanted. Sitcoms had to be single camera, and then they were studio sitcoms. Um, and, and same thing with video games. There's been this sense that people don't want to watch play video games. But I think with things like Twitch and YouTube, you know, PewDiePie and all these guys, television is suddenly catching up with the fact that millions of people are spending time just watching people play computer games on the internet. And our hope is that if we get comedians to do that, that will be slightly more entertaining. It's going to be on in the autumn on Dave, the channel Dave uh, in the UK, and then hopefully on other channels on Planet Earth uh, sometime after that. (laughs) 
So in each episode of the Gamer Podcast, we're going to look in depth at an element of gaming. And for the first episode, we've decided to look into virtual reality. I'm really excited about 2016 because I think this is the year that VR is going to go mainstream. And I've been waiting for this my entire life. VR has been around for a long time. It's been around for 25 years. And I've got someone... Hill that I would like you to meet. He is called Simon Marston, he's a VR expert, and he's the owner of four original 1990s virtuality machines. Back in 1991, when they were originally released, yeah. built by a company in Leicester called W Industries, which changed their names to Virtuality in 92, I think it was, they were selling for about £35,000 each, and then the software was around anywhere between eight and 12000 one game. Virtuality was one of the first companies that sort of did VR properly. Mm. And it's a Leicester company. Yeah. So that that kind of means that VR was born in Leicester. Yep, that's a teeming hubbub of technological (laughs) giants and uh, resting place of Richard III, um, home of this season's Premiership champions, my hometown. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm biased. Because the virtuality stuff like by today's standards is is so basic but mm. at the time it was kind of considered the future of gaming wasn't it should I collect anything to do with virtuality right this is a one-off prototype VR headset this is an actual one-off that's a one-off how did you how did you come about this uh, we took to, to give it to me I like to think you get some kind of lifetime achievement award for doing all this stuff yeah. for keeping the technology this alive. Is, this is not the only one he gave me either. If we were to go to your house now, I mean, would you, have you got, like I have, have you got a load of video game machines set up and you play games most nights or is it, or is, was this the pinnacle of it for you? This, this is the pinnacle. Uh, I'll be honest, I had a PlayStation 1 and I had a lot of games for the PlayStation 1, that's gone. Uh, had a Commodore Amiga 500. That's in my loft still, actually. So he's good, isn't he? He sounds amazing. He is. He's amazing, and he has a wonderful garage. Uh, just in case you missed it, his name is Simon Marston. We'll post a link to his wonderful website where you can see all the cool stuff he's been doing with virtuality over the last decade or so. In regards to the newer stuff, the, the new VR, there's a lot of things going on there, and I, I think it's important that we speak to someone who's an expert in video games, You know, someone that knows a lot about the gaming industry is very important. Someone like Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> Maybe 2016 is the year where people are talking about it enough and it's become normalised enough. I mean, they're porting Minecraft across, you know, to the Oculus Rift and to the Samsung Gear VR. Like, you're going to be able to play Minecraft first person. We know how much the kids love Minecraft. Uh, So, you know, I feel like we are perilously close to mainstream. So like experts are saying 2016 is the year for virtual reality, but I remember virtuality the first time around. So this has been going on a long time. Yeah, it's like they're sitting in a little room back there making them by hand. <laughs> They've only just managed to make enough for most people to wear them. Finally, with sellotape and, <laughs> and milk bottle glasses. Imagine that little Santa's elves. <laughs> people have seen this opening for virtual reality software and they're going to spend about five years building these incredible games. And then by the time the game comes out, the technology will have, you know, will have petered out. Part of me still worries that it's like the magic eye books, that it's just going to be this weird technological cul-de-sac. I honestly don't think it will be the primary means of gaming. I think it's going to be a, a genre of gaming. Uh, the question is, will it last long enough for people to start asking these questions? The first time I used VR, 
I actually spewed. I mean, I actually physically spewed. I was exorcist sick. Uh, and you know, that's not funny. That's tragic. That could be the one word associated with virtual reality down the line. This could be a weird, tragic waste of time. Or it could be, you know, the thing that somehow flags the alien spacecraft just outside our solar system and suddenly they go, oh, they're ready. And then they draft us into the Federation. We don't know. The one thing that is setting VR back, I think, is the fact that you still look a bit stupid wearing the headset. Like, there's no way you can take anyone seriously who's wearing one of those headsets. Absolutely Like, it, I don't... We Actually, I'm going to post pictures of Jim wearing the headset onto our Twitter, the at Gamer Podcast UK, because you guys have to check this out. It looks... I'm trying to think of it good, kind of like if you put a shoebox on a squash ball. If people started to put some effort into making them look less goofy, that might go a ways to, you know, helping people jam along. There is something so primarily awful about being caught with your pants down. And I feel like in terms of looking uncool and being, you know, looking stupid, virtual reality is right up there. But everyone said that about, you know, the Nintendo Wii. People say that about new peripherals all the time. And sometimes they take off. And sometimes they don't. Now, we played two VR games, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, together. And it was the one that... The game that wasn't made for VR is the one that made us sick. Yes. The one that was made for VR was the one we enjoyed the most. And unfortunately, we played it after we already felt nauseous. Yeah, yeah. We played them the wrong way around. So much trepidation for actually feeling sick again. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was a very, very strange afternoon. But as, like, because I've done, I've played with the Samsung Gear, and, and those ones have been made specifically for that. And, and they've been really, and really relaxing, actually. Really, which you wouldn't describe Alien Isolation as. No, I would describe it as a waking nightmare. One of the main genres that are being pioneered with virtual reality gaming is horror. Because, you know, horror games are scary, but you can always leave the room. But if you've got a massive thing strapped to your head and suddenly you're in the room with the thing that's trying to kill you, it adds this whole layer. You know, I mean, you're going to pee yourself and you're going to have to leave the room to change your pants. But for a while there, it's going to be fairly immersive. The Gamer Podcast with Beck Hill and Jim Smallman. Thanks very much, Paul Verhoeven. We'll post a link to what he's up to on Twitter at Gamer Podcast UK. Now, we have alluded to this already. We did play Alien Isolation. Mm. An utterly terrifying game that <laughs> is, is not designed for the Oculus Rift. This is the game that made us feel sick yep. for various reasons. Uh, in my case, motion sickness. In your case, motion sickness. And the terror and the gore of the game. And it's, yeah. and it's a game that is out on, it's out on the Xbox One and the PS4. And it is genuinely terrifying. It's a survival horror game. You've got to survive not being killed by an alien. Going here. Oh, oh, I feel dizzy already. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, all right. Oh, I've, I've, oh, I've just kicked over a gas tank. That's, um, it's good to know that in games I'm just as clumsy as I am in real life. Other VR games, I feel excited. Like I'm, I'm in a, oh geez, oh, I've just shone another torch So, so you're saying that excitement has been replaced completely by fear? 
I'm trying to... Where's my... I had a gun before. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? It's the introduction of a control... Oh, stop turning your torch on. I'm pretty... Okay. Oh, I've got a ham... I've got a wrench. And I'm... I'm I'm just crawling now with a wrench. Ah, shit! <laughs> 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 no, that's me. Where am I? Did I shoot it? Where is it? No, it's eating my legs. How do I get my gun? Oh, no, there goes my face. I'm dead now. <laughs> I didn't like that. What Are you dead say? already? If you see or hear the alien react, it may have sensed you. No, no flip. It was eating my face. It's because you kicked a... A gas canister over, and it I, I think it's because I walked into a room and screamed. It's ripping off my arms. Oh, I generally think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I don't know if you can... Well, I have to take this headset off. I feel, you know, I've been Jurassic Park where they're in the car and the T-Rex is leaning over them. Yeah. And they turn on the torch, like, right in his eyes. Yeah. I just did that. I just did that. And it was, oh, I generally, I'm going to take the headset I think I'm going to be ill. Oh, Oh, goodness me. <laughs> the Gamer Podcast. I don't know if you knew this, but mm. if you reach a certain point in your life where yeah, you're okay. one of the chosen few, you get sent an owl from Falmouth University. Sweet. Yeah, and it gets it has a little letter attached and it says you get to join the gaming academy. I presume that would be the sort of person who would be some kind of amazing technical expert and possibly the sort of person who would have the beard and hair of a man crossed with a lion. Yes, but the mind of a wizard. Wow. Do we know such a man? There is. His name is Andy Smith and he's from the Gaming Academy at Falmouth University and he's brought in his VR headset for us. Now, this is the Oculus Developer Kit 2, so this is fairly old now. And the specs you need to run this are not as high as the release version, which is coming out later this year. That one requires a massively powerful computer. I think you probably have to spend the best part of £1,000 just on the computer before you've even thought about buying the Oculus. How many people out of 10 are you saying would experience the nausea? I'd say it's very high. I'm probably 8 out of 10. Whoa. Yeah. Would you say more for this game than others, though? Because I've, I've played VR games games before and slightly had it but it's been fine and I'm wondering if I got it worse this time because of the extra adrenaline that was pumping through my system. <laughs> it definitely doesn't help does it? Were you better or worse at it than we were? Definitely not much better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had exactly the same problem and it made me feel sick and I think there's two reasons for that. One it's a terrifying game anyway and it's strapped to your face and you can't take it off. Mm. And so you've got the, the inherent VR problem at the moment of nauseousness, which most people seem to experience. Did you get the nausea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. massively. So would you find it harder to play a VR game than a normal game? I'd say so, yeah, because I don't get stressed about playing normal games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we were both, that's like we both said, we were both sweating. If I'm sat at home on my sofa, very rare I build up a sweat playing a yeah. video game. I feel like it's more, you play normal video games to lose yourself or, or relax, whereas I feel VR, you play it to experience something. I think that game's a particularly good example of something that a lot of the time I just wouldn't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I would not want to play this. <laughs> this game is more punishment than game. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andy Smith from Falmouth University. Yeah, cheers, Andy. Um, do you know what? There's all this cool new technology and all these great new ideas. Yeah. I personally would like to hear someone who's actually been involved with making a game for VR. I think the hardest thing about putting together a VR project is, first of all, understanding the cost. Uh, who was that? 
Uh, that was Sam Pike, who is from Relative Dimensions, which is an incubation company. That is a great name for an incubation company. Especially when you've been playing Alien Isolation. You know, when you're a consumer, you don't necessarily think about how much these things cost. And then, you know, going at it from a business point of view, sort of with my new iSet, I guess, after this incubation program, it sort of makes you realise how much work and how much money really goes into these projects. There's another person who is a bit further down the line in terms of developing VR games, and that's Steph Keegan. And she helped design the game Pixel Ripped 1989, which is, I've played it, it's amazing. It's where you play a classic retro game within... The virtual reality. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, what? It's Inception for gaming. Whoa, this sounds absolutely amazing. It's awesome! Myself, when I first tried the Oculus Touch for the first time, which is a handheld controls, when they told me it was a game over, I let go of the controls and they fell to the ground because I thought there was a table there. And that's when you, you know you've nailed it when you've immersed someone and they think it's real. See, I find it mind-blowing that people can make games anyway. But making a 2D game, that would be a huge undertaking for me. Making a VR game, that's got to be so huge and so scary. A bunch of stuff that you rely on doesn't work anymore. Like um, health bars in the top right hand corner. That's not going to work because now that's the peripheral vision of the player and they are just going to ignore it. So you have to find a new way to show people you're losing health. You no longer have a cinematographer essentially. You can't grab their head and force them to look at this thing. So you have to lure them with sound and pointing and um, all sorts of tricks to make that happen. Face tracking is a big thing. There's a lot of people trying to crack that so that you can properly emote because at the moment walking around as an avatar with no facial expression is kind of strange. So you can only suspend your imagination for so much. There is body tracking will be really important. Um, tactile feedback would be nice being able to like have gloves or some kind of system that allows you to feel like you're touching things it's interesting that Facebook have got such a stake in it so they're definitely looking at the long term game of social media I think education is going to be pretty awesome in VR I think that if you could immerse children in 19th century London rather than explain to them what it was like or put them in the trenches so they could see what it was like for soldiers they're gonna take that in way more than they ever would from a lecture so I'd like to see education take it up a bit more but I think everyone is gonna use VR much like the internet for their own purposes and find what they want out of it when we first heard about it it was really hard to get your head around what it would be for until it, it kind of evolved itself into what people wanted it it was people took it and made it what they wanted it to be and VR is gonna be the same But gaming is really important right now, and I think the main manufacturers know that because gamers are the early adopters. And without the early adopters, you just have a product that doesn't sell, doesn't generate press, doesn't get that momentum. So they're heavily focusing on games at the moment, which is to my advantage because I make them. But um, I imagine in the long run, we will just be one part of a much bigger thing. That's interesting, the idea that it all feeds into each other. Yeah, it sounds really lovely, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, very supportive. And I've noticed that because you can be anything in VR, there is a huge transgender community within there and a huge furry community within there because people feel safe and they can change their appearance to whatever they wish 
Big thanks to Steph Keegan, one of the designers on Pixel Ripped 1989. The Gamer Podcast with Beck Hill and Jim Smallman. We didn't get motion sickness when we played the other game that we played. Alien Isolation nearly killed us both. Um, But we then also played Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Which is the best title I've heard from a game. Yeah, and it's designed specifically for the Oculus Rift, which is one of the reasons we didn't get sick because it was designed to to work a lot better with with our brains. Yeah, there's a lot less lagging with the uh, when you turn your head and stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it's not a game where you're necessarily moving around a lot. No. Because you've got to defuse a bomb. Oh, all right, so I've got a bomb. It's in a case. It okay. is 5.54 at night. Okay. Nice. Let's do each module at a time. So what's your top, uh, I presume, a top left top one? Top left is just plain, as is the bottom left. So uh, the one below the time pad that's counting down is four wires. Four wires, okay. Four wires. Uh, so it says here, if there is more than one red wire and the last digit of the serial number is odd, cut the last red wire. So uh, is there more than one red wire? No, there's no red wires. Okay, in case... So, it says, otherwise, if the last wire is yellow... Yep. ...and there are no red wires, Mm -hmm. cut the first wire. Okay. Cutting. Done. All right, that one's done. Okay, so... Oh, oh. No, 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 no. no. So, what's the display say? Uh, we've, We've gone back to the start. Display is four again. Okay, press the button in the fourth position. Yep. What is it now? Uh, three... If the display is three, press the button in the first position. Yep. What is it now? And now we've gone one. If we've the got display two is one, left, by if the, the way. display is one, press the button with the same label you pressed in stage two, which is three. Very nice, excellent. Okay, okay. what are we now? Oh, number one again. Number one. If the display is one, press the button in the same position as you pressed in stage one, which is four. Thank you. Yep. And we've got one one left. We've got okay, a go. 58. I'm, I'm not nervous, but I'm not going to get blown up, so it's good. What have we, what have we got? What's, number two. Number two. If the display is two, press the button with the same label you pressed in stage two, which was three. Yay! Yes! I wish all Bomb Defusals played well, such great music. And that's a new career for us, Beck. Uh, no longer presenting podcasts, but instead diffusing bombs. This is the modern equivalent of those team-building exercise games <laughs> that they make you do at, like, office jobs. Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes is the first time that we've used VR with a team element. Indeed. Which is really cool. Someone who doesn't make games but has learned to use VR in a completely different way and with a little bit of a team element is this guy who has potentially the best name in the world. My name is Scott Van Donkler uh, from, from Zero Latency. I'm the CTO and my job is basically to go through try and find what creates the best free roam VR experience for us. We pretty much put a, uh, put a backpack on you put the VR headset on, you wear headphones as well, and uh, we send you into the zombie apocalypse, effectively. There's obviously uh, a lot of variety, I think, in what a lot of people are doing, and they're all targeting kind of the the home user, the sort of, you know, the consumer products that people purchase and get to take home and use in their own private spaces. I guess the major difference with what we're doing is we're saying, 
how about we deliver a really high quality sort of premium VR experience, but it's going to be more like a, it's a destination sort of attraction. It's uh, it's something you go to like, say, go-karting or paintball or something like that. That sounds like the best stag party ever. <laughs> Never go paintballing again because it hurts. Just do that. So we've d- designed and built our own tracking system from scratch, which is purely and 100% created just for doing virtual reality experiences, which makes makes a pretty big difference as well. And then on top of that, we also had to build our, our backpack system. So that's, that's what the player wears in the back. It does the the rendering for their VR experience so that um, so that we can keep the latency down and that's yeah that's been a fairly significant part of our, our development as well is trying to keep that lightweight making it as powerful as it possibly can be uh, and to go a little further we also have make our own controllers as well so the um, so things like the the guns we're currently using in our in our zombie shooter experience so um, so it feels like you're really carrying a gun through the apocalypse and uh, and not you know, just a toy in your hands. See, I reckon this sounds great, but we can't play it because we're not there. Mm. So, I mean, how good do we think it is? I mean, I think it sounds amazing. I've got very high expectations for it. I think it's going to be like The Matrix. It isn't going to meet people's expectations in some areas. Uh, it's certainly a problem even that we sometimes have now where people come and play our VR system and they expect it to be basically The Matrix. They want to get in there and suddenly, you know, they're just completely immersed and they can jump off buildings. And um, I think meeting people's expectations is going to be is going to be difficult at first. The Gamer Podcast. Huge thanks to the amazingly named Scott Van Donkler from Zero Latency. Thanks, mate. It's interesting how he was talking about people's different expectations. People will interpret this new technology and experience it in, in different ways. And there's going to be people like us who get sick. There are going to be people who don't get sick. There's going to be people who are going to be blown away. There's going to be people who are critical about it because, of course, people are critical about everything. Why isn't it The Matrix? <laughs> Room. The graphics are fantastic on this game. Whoa, I'm being attacked, I'm being attacked. I'm on the floor. Ah! It seems to be too high to get through the door, so how do I manage that? And then we have over here, what are these? Looks like food, delicious. Doesn't look overly nutritious. Oh, I've got a gun. Oh, no, it's a flamethrower. Okay, so this looks like something from the Millennium Falcon. I might be in my definitely something in there because it is making noises. I want to use my own hands. And now it's all gone black. There's writing on the screen but I, sh- I probably should have put my glasses so, on. What is the sensible thing to do at this point? It's obviously to walk straight into a room with a giant ace. Oh. He <laughs> <laughs> was above me. <laughs> if you'd like to see more clips of Jim and I attempting to play virtual reality uh we've put them up on twitter at gamer podcast uk um yeah it's gonna be a lot of me looking like an idiot sounding like an idiot being an idiot not being very good at alien isolation and then there's some clips of him in the headset the gamer podcast sat on their sofas beck and jim go head to head on a different game every month 25th year anniversary of the original sonic game this year and we've both we both had a go whilst we're at home. Not together, but sat at home. I decided the best time to do it was after I'd gotten back from a gig quite late at night where I'd had several drinks. <laughs> and See, I, I went, you know what I should do right now? I'm going to play Sonic. See, I don't drink at all, and I can't imagine you drunk back. Like, I don't, I don't imagine drunk back. Dr. Robotnik there looking, why does he leave signs everywhere? 
Like, oh, I'm Dr. Robotnik. Better leave a sign here. Show that I'm... Like, no one leaves signs. Maybe a business card. It's a big business card. I felt very positive when I started. I was like, this is going to be easy. I've, I've got this well, in the bag. Well, that's the thing. I did an Edinburgh show last year where we got comedians to play the first level of Sonic every day. Mm. So I thought, I can nail the first level. I'll be brilliant at it because I know like the world record in terms of speed for doing that is 25 seconds mm. and I could do it in like 33. And I was really proud of myself and I can vaguely remember completing the game when I was a kid uh, and I am rubbish at it. I'm, I'm probably going to have to switch this off now for fear of me throwing my controller through the screen because video games are hard. I'm going to play Fallout 4 for a bit because I'm quite good at that. What? Well, Green Hill? Ah, that's my last name as well. It's my hill. Okay, here we go. Got some hills to be walking up, don't I? Oh, oh no, just then. <laughs> I um, just ran straight into some spikes. Kids, don't drink in game. And my first go through, I think I, I did the first level straight away because I'm used to doing it. Yeah. And then the second level died. Lost all my lives on the second level. Mm. And I remember thinking, this I don't remember this being this hard. Yeah. Because I first played this when I was a kid. And I'm definitely better at video games now than when I was a child. Yeah. Definitely. And it's really, really difficult. Yeah. I mean, especially because games now are constructed for us to get all the way through them. Like, if you make a game like Grand Theft Auto, you want everyone to see all the voice acting you've paid millions and millions of yeah, pounds for. Yeah, yeah. But Sonic the Hedgehog is just like, no, you've got three lives. You're on your own. Off yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. And there was no way of saving it either. You know, as soon as you died, you're back to the beginning again. Oh, totally on some spot. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, that's... Wow. I'm probably the first person to die on the first level. Right. This is where I died last time. Oh, and I very nearly died again. Giant chandelier with spikes on dropped on my head. <clears throat> I know when you, you beat a boss... You get to go and jump on a machine and it lets out loads of animals. I didn't realise that when you kill any of the enemies in this game, it released an animal every time. Just uh, released a cute baby seal by killing a bat. I don't know what that tells us about society, but it tells us something. Why is the land made of waffle? Oh, is there another life? No, they're not that stupid. Fair enough. The music is like, it's so memorable. It's like Tetris level memorable music. Yeah, yeah. But only on the first level. By the time you're on the second world, the marble zone, and then the third one, which is spring something. Yeah. The music is. I think I had a little bizarre. sing when I was playing. I've just had flashbacks now. Well, the music's quite I was French <laughs> on marble zone. It's kind of like played on an accordion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all the way through, I'm like, this is very jaunty. Yeah. Considering there's quite a lot of lava here. <laughs> I mean, I've never been to Paris, but I'm led to believe it's not based on lava. This song, when I used to play this, reminded me of that Janet Jackson song so much. Uh, the one that would go everywhere. Oh, but I probably shouldn't try singing while playing Sonic. Oh, oh you can get to... Yep, there we go. Everywhere I flow, I know that, that, swimming down at me. Everywhere I go, every 
smile I see. I know you are there, smiling back at me. See what I mean? In my memory, you could just race through it. You would you would spin, you go through a couple of loops, next thing you know you're at the end of that level. Yeah. None of that. Every time I went to do that, spikes. It's ironic, really, that a spiky animal would meet such a spiky death all the time. It is. <laughs> You've literally thought of that now. You'd think it'd be bonfires. Bonfires, <laughs> people not checking them. You think that'd be. Or crossing a road. I did really well at this the first time and then I just lost it. And now. No, oh, it's game over. That is game over. Oh, do I have to really go from the beginning? Oh, I'm going to try this again when I'm sober. The Gamer Podcast with Beck Hill and Jim Smallman. That's it. That's the end of our first episode. Yay. Our first. Yay. We got there in the end. Yes. Um, We hope you enjoyed the debut of this new podcast. Say debut. I did say debut. Not debut. No, debut. It's been nice doing this. I mean, because we're hoping to do it at least every month and maybe with the occasional extra episode thrown in Little bonuses. Tell loads of people. I mean, that's a great thing to do. Yeah. Just let the entire world know that we're... People you don't know as well. Just Stop like, people in the street. If you're in a queue at the supermarket right now, I just tap the person in front of you and say, hey, game of podcast. Just put your headphones onto the person in front of you and blow their mind. And obviously do follow us on Twitter. Game of Podcast UK is us on Twitter. Because we can tell you stuff that we're doing and we can give you little extra things and stuff like that. And it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, and we'll also put up all the links to all the people who helped us with this episode. So massive thanks to all of our guests. Indeed. Lovely, lovely, wonderful, lovely, sexy people. All of them. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game of Podcast in iTunes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.